welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners who are actively relaunching to make sure to register and upload your resume to our iRelaunch job board because this is where employers are going to be posting their career reentry jobs and programs. And it's a great place for you to get recognized there as a relauncher. That's a place where we want you to have a career break. Let's go on to our conversation for today. Today, we welcome Heidi Ravis, who is our iRelaunch recommended resume expert. We're so excited to have her on board. She has 30 years, over 30 years uh, experience as a career counselor and has worked with many relaunchers in the past in a whole range of industries. She's a relauncher herself and therefore understands the challenges of writing a resume that reflects potential value to an employer, especially when we're looking, as we all are, uh, to return to the workplace after a hiatus. In this episode, we're gonna speak with Heidi about her career journey, and we're also going to get some resume uh, recommendations and talk about trends that she's seen over time. Heidi, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, thank you for spending some time with us. Can you please start for us where we usually start, which is to tell us a bit about your professional background and a little bit about your uh, career break and your relaunch? Sure. Uh, I started out as a, a graduate from college with a degree in psychology and really had no thought about going in the direction of career counseling or, or coaching. I started out more in the, the sort of nonprofit social service world, got my master's degree in psychology, counseling psychology after a few years of work experience and worked full time up until my second child was born. And at that point, I made a decision to leave the full-time work world, which was very hard, but yes. it was hard enough to to juggle a full-time job and one child and childcare costs were, were a real factor in the decision because it wasn't as if my employer was going to say, oh, now you have two kids. Great. We'll double your salary. So you can have <laughs> two kids in daycare. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. And I was very, very sad to lose, to leave my job. Uh, it was something that I really got a lot of satisfaction from. I had worked my way up to a, a coordinator kind of role where I was basically running a vocational department at a program for, for adults with mental illness. And I supervised staff. I helped to develop new programs. Uh, it, it was very challenging, very stimulating. I had great coworkers. So it was a really tough decision to leave. Yeah. And it was the right decision for my family, but it was, it, it, I, while I enjoyed being home with my children, I really missed working. I missed talking to other adults. I missed using my brain in that way that you use at work that you don't with, with little children when you're going to the park and watching Sesame Street and, and all <laughs> those things that you yeah. do. Not that that isn't fun, but I really missed using my brain. And so I would say after about a year of, of just being home full time, not just, it was a lot of work, of being home 
full time, I really started to think about whether there were ways that I could at least dip my toe in the world mm-hmm. of work, where I could do mm-hmm. something to just to not, I didn't want to lose what I had gained in, in right. all these years. So I started to reach out to sort of wise figures in the career counseling arena who I had met and, and dealt with and, and asked their advice. And they started connecting me with other people. So through those conversations and those connections, I, a, a woman that I knew, a colleague um, who had been, who had had a practice, a career counseling practice for a long time said, well, would you like to, to be one of my associates? You could come in and use the office. Uh, she didn't work every day. So she said on the days that I'm not there, would you like to come in and I can help to set up clients for you? So I did that a little bit. It was very, very part time. And over time, I just kind of built on that. So I, I really, it wasn't a full relaunch. It was mm-hmm. gradual. It wasn't a liftoff like a rocket. It was maybe more, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good comparison, that it wasn't a, a major relaunch. It was just a series of small steps. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. was, I had gotten a mailing. This was after a few years of that, I guess. I had gotten a mailing that came through my professional association about a program that was uh, that was recruiting career counselors, career professionals to uh, work in this program, di- uh, delivering distance services. And this was in the day before days before Zoom and and video counseling. It was all telephone counseling with some oh, wow. support online. And I thought, well, I'm not the most technically adept person, but I could probably learn. And so it ended up being a really fortuitous move because I was sort of on the cutting edge of, of distance counseling. Mm-hmm. And so I've been, that was probably early 2000s. So yeah, without I, even knowing it, you were at the cutting edge. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I started working remotely back then and that really, it became a skill that I could, I could use I, I have used in every job since then. Um, I've had every gig that I've had since then has been remote. And it really allowed me, I was very fortunate that I could kind of, as my children became more independent, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of take on more and more responsibility, take take on additional gigs. And so I've been, it, it, I had no idea when I answered that ad that came 20 something years ago, that that would be that would determine the trajectory of my career. Right. Um, Let me ask you a few questions. I was just taking some notes as you were speaking. Um, First of all, I just want to acknowledge that I love the baby step approach. I think it's a great way to relaunch. And I love um, the way you've illustrated how it works. So I think that's very valuable for our audience, because uh, sometimes people wonder, well, what does it mean to take a baby step? And, uh, you know, what's an example? So so that's a great example. You mentioned a um, professional association that you that you um, first heard about this from. Can you say what the professional association was? And were you uh, how did you think about keeping your membership there or what you were you doing with them while you're on career break? This was, that's a great question. And I, I'm a big believer in, in professional associations, especially local ones where you can really get to know people. 
I had been a member of something called Career Development Specialist Network since uh, the 1990s. That's I'm showing my age here. Uh, I became a member when we were meeting in person. Now we're all virtual, but uh, it was a small local New York-based association, and I really was able to get to know people there. So actually, I think pretty much everything I've done since there, or almost everything I've done since that time, has somehow involved people I met there. Either somebody mm. there told me about a, a, a gig or a job that I might be good for, or when I heard about something, I was able to go back to people I trusted in the group and say, hey, have you heard of this organization? Do you know any of these people? So it was a small enough organization, even though it was in New York, it was small enough that I was really able to get to know people. And those networking contacts, I still have today. There are people who I trust so much and have just been such valued colleagues mm -hmm. to years. So I, yes, I'm a big believer in professional associations because you really can, the, these are people who are maybe, they may not be doing exactly the same thing as you, but they're in the same world that you're in and can really give you insight and, and you can find mentorship through them as well. Wow. And, and important contacts that lead to actual job opportunities. So yes. I just underscoring that, that's another, another great point to underscore just in general for um, our listeners. But let's now get into some of the uh, nitty gritty around resumes. We really want to benefit from your experience and advice. So um, can we just start out with your opinion on which resume style do you think is best chronological where where your um, experience is listed in reverse chronological order, functional where you take bits and pieces of your experience around certain functional areas and group them and feature them in that uh, one by one, uh, I mean function by function, um, or a hybrid, which is kind of a combination of the two. Well, most employers and recruiters really favor the chronological, so I really try to adhere to that as much as possible. But I really like summaries and information at the beginning. Somebody once described it, one of my clients I was working with described it as clickbait. So the information <laughs> that you put at the beginning of the resume from your headline to your, maybe some skill, a grouping of skills, um, a little summary of some of your achievements is what makes the reader want to keep reading. So I think a chronological resume is great, but you can use the beginning to really draw their attention to the things that they that they should know most right. about. Well, that's very much in line with how we think about resumes at iRelaunch. Uh, we also have this experience with employers and recruiters that say, if we have to piece together someone's work history because it hasn't been all laid out for us in chronological order, we're going to throw it out. There are too many resumes there to work that hard, you know, right. on a single one. So I'm um, really in line there. And it's great to get that original thinking, um, the thoughts that we had originally, not that, that, that we were the first ones to think about it, but it was originally when we first started to think about resumes, um, we've always heard this consistent advice. So to hear it from you now as, as an expert in 2023 um, is, is really validating and I think um, helpful for our audience too. Um, so we are asked often about how you handle having one resume. And uh, we I know many of our audience members know that 
people write customized resumes for certain specific jobs. But we also think about resumes in two categories when you are applying. One is when you're applying for a career reentry program that requires a career break. And the other one is when you're applying more through a typical mainstream recruiting channel that does not involve a career reentry program. Can you talk about having both of those types of resumes side by side and, and maybe um, how recommendations for one or the other? Sure. I actually just last week was working with somebody on that very issue. The person was applying to a returnship program, but also applying for other kinds of, of more traditional roles. So we worked on one version that had a, a specific listing for um, for the, the career break. As I said, kind of do need to explain what you were doing during that time because these programs want specifically want someone who's returning. So we found a way to talk about what the person was doing during that time and emphasized it. I think we did it in the, the summary at the beginning, talked about mm. what they did during that time. And then in the more traditional version, that there was a, it was, a, I think, a, 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 a volunteer role, a very involved volunteer role. So in the returnship resume, we explicitly talked about how that was during a break. And in the non-returnship version, we just use that as the work experience mm. for that time. So that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty how we deal with it. And it's kind of interesting to say to people, well, you have to talk about the break because they only want people who have taken breaks. So your break is a good thing here. Right. So yeah, we, so we love that you can say that. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's sort of the underpinning of everything that we do. Yes. Uh, that, you know, career breaks used to be the reason why people throw out resumes. Now you have to have one in order to apply for and participate in returnship and other career yes. reentry programs. So it's so refreshing because people often feel so apologetic or embarrassed about their breaks. So it's really nice to be able to say that's it's a good thing right now yeah. to have that break. Exactly. And then any thoughts on uh, how what you do in your LinkedIn profile, if you have different resumes for, for it could be career break or not career break, but it could also be customized for different types of roles, or you're trying two different functions out. What do you recommend people do on the LinkedIn profile? Well, that can be tricky, especially it's very hard when people are applying for different types of roles. And if they're working and they don't want their employer to know that they're mm, looking, right. so there's all different levels. But in this case of, of people who are looking for perhaps returnships and more traditional roles, that summary at the beginning, the about section, again, is is really useful. And in LinkedIn, I look at resumes in LinkedIn as complementary. They shouldn't be exactly the same. They both do different things well. In LinkedIn, you have more space. You're not limited to a little paragraph or a few bullet points to, to tell your story. So that's mm -hmm. a good place to give a narrative mm -hmm. that, that kind of a little gives a little bit more detail and context to what you've done. It's tough. It's not an easy thing to do. But it's it's a place where you really can explain that that break, what you learned, where that's led you now without getting too confessional or or deep about it. But you really can. I don't want to say spin it because it sounds 
a little too, <laughs> it sounds right. fake, but you really can make it a narrative about yeah. who you are, where you've been, where you're going. Yeah, that, that, that makes total sense and great advice. We, no 2023 discussion is complete without introducing chat GPT. And I want to know, it seems like it's all the rage now. I, we've been following Instagram. We have seen all sorts of um, career advisors giving advice on how to use chat GPT in all aspects of the job search. And I wanted to know if you've experimented with using chat GPT to create or modify resumes. And if so, do you have any comments or recommendations on what kind of prompts people should be using? I have to confess, I was a little bit intimidated to try it and not an early adopter at all, because it's scary to think about about AI doing your job for you. Um, but I've been to so many, any meeting or, or training involving career professionals these days, that's one of the main topics of conversation. So you really can't avoid it. And it would be irresponsible of me to avoid it. So I have played around with it a little bit. Um, and it's pretty amazing. You, mm -hmm. I, you can sit down, you can log, it's free, you can go in and say, write a career counselor resume. And within a fraction of a second, it's spitting out a whole long resume for me. Right. So, but. <laughs> I think the more specific you can be, the better. So what one thing you can do is if you see a job posting that interests you, you can pull up that job po job posting and write in in as a command or as a prompt, write a resume for this job title. And the more that you can give it specific parameters, the more accurate and targeted it will be. But I think as with anything involving AI, it still needs your touch to it. It needs, it can, it's really good for generating ideas, for giving language and keywords that are useful, but it still really needs editing and shaping to make it personal. Otherwise, it can sound really generic or too specific to that job title. You don't want a recruiter to say, oh, they just plugged those terms into ChatGPT and generated this. You don't want it to look like it was it was computer generated. Right. You know, it's the same issue that all the professors have now about student essays right. and who wrote it. And uh, and it's, it's interesting because I'm sure there's going to be software or other tools that uh, recruiters and employers have available that will be able to help them detect um, whether and how much chat GPT was used or what, you know, whatever. Um, I, I think there's, there are already so many different um, applications that you could say are even beyond chat GPT. Now it's moving so fast, but um, I'm sure, you know, you know, that's to come. First of all, I want to say thank you for uh, acknowledging that it feels intimidating sometimes to um, just get in there and, and even experiment with chat GPT. It's like, how do you even start? Of course, you can put that into your into a search. Like, how? Where do I start with ChatGPT? And it'll tell you where what that website is and and where to click on it and and how to set up an account and then yes. how to just experiment with it, right? And I wanted to know on that 
example that you gave about a uh, create a resume that is responding to this um, career was it a career counselor? Um, well, I just the, my the first one I did was just a generic write a resume for a career counselor, and then the second one I found a specific job posting and said write a resume for the you know the the career uh, the associate director of career development at you know Acme University whatever it might be and then and I had the the posting on the screen so I could pull from that well that was my question did you uh -huh. just do a full copy and paste and put it into ChatGPT and say write a resume for this role or did you so you were selecting excerpts from it yeah, I was able to, I gave as much specific information as possible. So I, I'm guessing that it pulls, it finds that, that posting and pulls Obviously. from that. I, I think, I don't know what the algorithm is, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you think about what, I, I don't think any recruiter or employer wants something, wants a resume that is just written by a computer because they want to know what you can do. So it's great for getting the language and maybe finding a way to express something or generating ideas, but it's not if, if there's no personalization to it, if, if, if there's no, nothing of you in it, I think a recruiter will be able to see that. It's you're, if you're just connecting dots, there's no value there. It's your, it needs your, your perspective and your ability to direct the reader to what is most important and what's most salient in your background. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just uh, thinking through that a little bit because writers will say, I, I've been reading a lot about ChatGPT in different fields, and writers will say it's it's a godsend for writer's block. So yes. it would be the same thing as like, I just don't even know where to start on this resume. It's a way to get First, I was going to say a first draft, but I'm thinking from what you're describing is are the pitfalls. It's not really a first draft. It's it's like um, a jumping off point yes. uh, that can give you uh, it'll spur it'll make your mind think of oh yeah right, and then it, it'll allow you to start writing um, without hesitation. Right, and somebody actually an another career professional. I know said it's really good for cover letters because everybody hates writing cover letters. That's everybody finds that everyone I've ever spoken to finds that to be even harder than mm -hmm. writing a resume. So, and I still think they're really important. So, so somebody I know said, use it for writing a cover letter. You can tweak parts of it, but if rather than getting stuck <laughs> trying to write a cover letter, mm -hmm. you can lean more heavily on on chat GPT for generating the cover letter and rearrange it because that if, if you're going to get stuck writing it, why not use chat GPT for that? And then you can tweak it a little bit later. Whereas for the resume, you may want to take a little bit more time with, with making it more specific. Right. Thank you for diving into that brand new tool that we all have. And um, there's much more to come there. And that's sort of, it's always going to be changing and we'll always be updating our commentary on it. I know yes. both of us will, the more we 
research it and discover new things and, and find out its uses. So that's something we all, and we'll try to keep you posted on that, um, talking to our audience, uh, all of you, as best we can at, at iRelaunch. Heidi, I want to ask you, uh, because we have listeners on our uh, podcast who are in all stages of relaunching their career, and some of our listeners are, are very far along in the process, and they are looking for more um, specific, uh, detailed advice, like we were just talking about with, with a chat GPT, and others are at the beginning of the process and less familiar with the process itself. So I wanted to know if you can explain one of the fundamentals of recruiting, you hear these, this initial ATS, and I want to know if you can explain to our audience what is an ATS, and can you give some guidelines around how to um, handle your resume when you're submitting to one? Sure. An ATS is an automatic tracking system, and it's really what recruiters will generally say is that it's really just to screen, to do an initial screening so that the recruiter doesn't have to go through every single resume personally and read every line, that it's kind of looking for specific keywords, specific points to make sure that the person is actually applying for the right kind of role. Um, in the past, I think people would, uh, there were all, uh, there was all kinds of advice about, oh, if you, if you have a spelling error, if your comma is in the wrong place, it's going to, it's going to make your dis your resume disappear into a black hole and nobody's ever going to see it again, or if you format it this way. But I think the systems have come a long way. So they really are, are more sophisticated now and they can handle different kinds of formats, uh, different types of uh, different kinds of templates, things like that. So there's really, I don't think any one format that's best for NATS, I think that's kind of the prevailing wisdom that I've, you know, mm -hmm. the consensus. But that said, I still, my preference is still for something that's, that's very straightforward, that doesn't have a ton of bells and whistles and a ton of, uh, right. for a while, the, the trend was towards lots of little, you know, little uh, tables and things like that in the resume. Mm -hmm. Most recruiters do still have a preference for more straightforward, highlight oriented. And of course, you always want to make sure that you you proofread your resume multiple times because nobody wants to see something with spelling errors or, or any kind of mistakes in it. So I think ATSs are pretty sophisticated and able to handle all different formats now. All right. So just a couple follow-ups there, kind of technical questions. So I, you know, we've heard, uh, and this was in the past, that if you don't submit a PDF format you, because it won't be able to read it, you have to submit a Word doc. But if you submit a Word doc, it's going to go in and mess up all the formatting. So um, are you saying now that the the ATSs are, are much more sophisticated that you could submit either one and it's fine? Or, or do you have a recommendation on that? Um, I like PDFs just because they do preserve the formatting. Sometimes formatting gets a little bit wonky if you're using a Word doc. I've even written resumes for people and sent them to that to them. And maybe the person I use a I have a PC, maybe the person has a Mac and the the version of Word on the Mac maybe does something. I, they're gremlins, I don't know. So I think a lot of the time I think a P if if it allows for a PDF, I think a PDF is usually preferred because it preserves the formatting. 
Okay, that's helpful. And then one other detail, what about hyperlinks? Do you recommend that people you embed a hyperlink, which you can embed even in a PDF that links to, I don't know, an article that they wrote or something else, uh, I don't know, their LinkedIn profile? Is that A, not recommended, and B, do they not even work when they go through these systems? That's a good question. I think usually they do work and it can't hurt because if they can't get through, get to them through a hyperlink, they can always copy and paste the link. If you have, for example, if you have a portfolio or a website, it's always a good idea to include it. And worst comes to worst, they can copy and paste it to look. Right. Good point. I guess, you know, it's there if they want to um, work a little harder to um, actually investigate it. And, and we do tell people, as you're saying, if there's a portfolio, or also we tell people who are working on updating technical skills to have a GitHub portfolio of their technical projects that they're working on, that of course would be uh, a link. You wouldn't include, you know, pieces of that in the resume itself. So thank you for, for pointing that out. One other area, Heidi, that we're seeing is there's some move to video screening as sort of a first step um, with a number of our employers now. And, and we have a separate podcast on that and advice on where to practice um, and in order to get familiar with these um, screening tools that involve you having to record a video of yourself or answer questions on video. Um, is there anything about video that you're seeing in terms of um, resumes or are there any new formats of resumes that people need to be aware of or that you actually would recommend? Um, not new formats so much. I've, I've seen things about video resumes and I've seen guides to doing them. And some people say, oh, you should definitely do one. But I think the reality is a lot of people just aren't comfortable with it. And if if it's something that's not comfortable for you and it's not required, then why make yourself crazy trying right. to work on it? But right. I think they're also, I think they are being used, the one-way video interviews are being used a lot in screening in in for first interviews for screenings. And so it's always a good idea to practice, even if you're just using your, the, the video, the camera on your phone or on your computer. It's good to to be brave and practice. There are some tools out there. I don't know of any free ones to help you practice for a video interview. So. I think um, HireVue, H-I-R-E-V-U-E, um, at least they used to have a tab on there or some sort of portal where I thought you were able to practice. But Oh, it either okay. may not be there anymore, or I don't know. I don't. I don't think they make you pay for it, but it's possible that um, they took it down. I I haven't checked out recently, but that's that's a potential um, resource people can check out. You know, and I I I feel like I need to interject here because I've been thinking about this a few times during our conversation, and I want to point out, of course, for everyone, how we talk about your resume can be fabulous, but it is really that personal handoff or someone handing off your resume to someone else that they know or a friend of a friend that is going to get your resume moving to the top of the pile or to some uh, special attention. So just wanted to put that into the mix to make sure that we're underscoring that that part of the job. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Heidi, can you take us through what prospective clients can expect from working with you? And I just want to add that. So 
Heidi is our iRelaunch recommended resume expert. So if you go to iRelaunch.com and you look under the relauncher tab at the top, you're going to see different options. And one of them is on resumes and, and individual coaching. And you can click through there and then you'll see a page. Um, and then from there, you could get into um, Heidi's actual website. But um, we encourage you to, to take a look at that through and go through the iRelaunch website to get there because there's additional information. So let's see, let's say I, I decided I wanted to engage with you. What kind of process do you take people through? What I'll usually do once I hear from somebody is I'll reach out right away and offer them a free 10 minute consultation. I find that that works really well because then either through Zoom or telephone, and then that allows us to, to figure out what their needs are, what their budget is, and how that fits together. The person may just want somebody to look over their resume to see how it works for a returnship. So in that case, we might either schedule a longer conversation to do that together, or the person may just say, you know what, I trust you could you just go through it and give me feedback? In which case I would probably go through it and mark it up and track changes and, and send a feedback email and then give the person an option to, to get back to me. In other cases, the person might say, you know, I've been out of the work world for years, for 15 years raising my children and I have nothing. I haven't written a resume in all that time. I've done volunteer work, but I really want somebody to, to partner with me to write it, in which case that's a different process. So we right. would probably set up, I might send them a worksheet to record the information about what they've done so that I can do a basic outline and format it for them. And sometimes just seeing that, seeing it on paper, seeing what it's going to look like builds a lot of confidence for the person. And then we would work together to populate that. So we might, a lot of the time people will say, oh, well, you know, I've, I've volunteered. I've been a PTA mom and, and a class parent. And I'll say, well, but what did you do? Tell me mm -hmm. what you did. And it turns out they ran every large scale event. They raised thousands of dollars to hire staff in the school. Uh, maybe they, uh, they planned a, a fair that involved vendors. So we really talk about, you know, well, there's, there are a lot of different kinds of PTA moms. Let's talk about what kind of PTA mom you were. What did that mean? What did you do? And generally there's a lot of information that comes out when they're saying, well, I was just a mom. I was just a volunteer. That's not, just isn't, isn't the word. It just mm -hmm. is, is limiting. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, in those cases, it might be a few different calls with some where I'm, we're talking through it, and then I I put it together for them, and then we we edit it together or whatever. So really, it's it could be any anything from I'll just review it for you and send you feedback to let's have a few calls and and really put together something from scratch. Right, right. I you know of course. We always say at I relaunch, everyone's situation is unique. You know, no two situations are, are alike. So I can see that, of course, it's going to get reflected in the resume. And I love how you said when you sort of put the outline of it together, especially with someone who 
really hasn't has been out of the workforce for a long time for whatever reason. And just to underscore, it could be elder care, it could be your own health issue, it could be your trailing spouse or partner with a partner with an overseas assignment, you're a military spouse, a whole range of reasons for your career break. But I just uh, want to emphasize that once you put your story together, especially for someone who has taken a, a a long career break. And just to emphasize, it could be for a whole range of reasons. Uh, it could be elder care. It could be your own health issue. It could be your military spouse or your trailing spouse or partner with someone with an overseas assignment. Uh, so whole range of reasons. But if you've been away from the workforce for a long time, and then you're, you and Heidi are working together and you put this outline of your resume together, all of a sudden you said, it makes you feel more confident. And that is all you see now the narrative, you see the progression at that there's something really substantive there. And I just love the idea that when as part of that process, people actually gain confidence. Yes. And narrative is so important. I've I, I'm a bookworm. I've always loved reading. And so I think I've always taken that into my work is wanting to understand somebody's story what makes them what makes them unique what makes because you're not just a sum total of your jobs you it's what you bring to them and what you're good at and what you care about and what makes you shine so i think that narrative and understanding that narrative and helping the person the candidate understand well, wait yeah that's my story and right. it's a good story it's a powerful story really does help to prepare them for the whole process and does start to build the confidence that maybe they're lacking. And that also comes around to that point you're making about, you don't get that from ChatGPT. Right. <laughs> ChatGPT can sort of help you along the way, but sort of the nuances and this narrative and the things that relate to you very specifically as an individual, that's something that when you're interacting with a resume expert, when you're acting uh, interacting with someone like you, Heidi, then you are going to have a completely different interaction than if it's um, ChatGPT related. So Definitely. ChatGPT doesn't care about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's so important to have this combination. Uh, right. I just wanted to underscore that. So Heidi, I wanted to go to our final question. We're running out of time here and ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? I think don't sell yourself short. I think that's in, in anything, in anything in the job search. Everybody has a story to tell and everybody has worth. We're not just the sum total of our job experiences. How we animate them. And I think to recognize that you have something unique to offer and that somebody will want what you have to offer is, is so important. It doesn't matter. Don't compare yourself to other people. Focus on what makes, what makes you unique and what makes you of value to an employer. And it will, I think that the confidence is really the, the most important piece of mm -hmm. the process. Well, I love that. And I love the, um, the, the word animate. I, I think that that's such a, that's such a great way to sort of talk about how you translate 
your story as a person onto the page. And I like that you use that. I haven't heard that word in connection with this. So I'm going to have to remember that. Uh, Heidi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, for me too. Thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. I want to remind our listeners to go to irelaunch.com for all the tools and resources that you need for your relaunch. Thank you so much for joining us. <music>